Welcome to episode two of our podcast on human trafficking. I'm talking with Margaret Henderson, teaching associate professor here at the UNC School of Government. I'm Patrice Rossler, and I am manager of elected official programs. Margaret, we have a special person with us today, right? We are, and it's we're doing this in order to address the myth that's out there that human trafficking happens to people who aren't like us and who live somewhere else. They're different from us. And one of your colleagues within the local government elected official arena is going to be sharing her experience with human trafficking here in North Carolina. We're here with Melissa Elliott, who's a city council member in Henderson and uh, one of our ALC alumni, class of 2021. So she's quite familiar with the School of Government and we appreciate her participation. But she's given us a special gift today to talk about her own personal experience with trafficking and the impact it's had on her life and and how folks helped her at key moments um, through her healing process. Melissa, probably most of us want to believe that trafficking happens to other people. They don't look like us. They don't live near us. They don't act like us. They're just other people someplace else. But life gave you a different experience. What would you say to your fellow elected leaders about that wishful thinking? Well, I would say that, you know, it's a harsh reality that it does happen in our communities. It's happening every day. Um, and somewhat of the most unlikely places like our, our neighborhoods, like people that live next door to us, um, people that we would never think would be doing these kinds of things. Um, in my own experience, it happened with people that I knew um, that kind of kept me locked in a space. So this was in a, a community. It was next door to somebody's house. Um, it was in a building. Well, the house had three levels. And so um it was right next door to another person that they probably never knew what was going on. So I would say that, you know, we have to be a little bit more vigilant. This does happen to people and we just need to be a little bit more mindful of, of this particular population because the people that do these things to individuals are very smart and very cunning. And so we need to keep that in mind that they know exactly what they're doing and oftentimes they're the least likely to be expected. They know how to hide their work really well, don't they? Um, They're crafty people. Yeah, well, in a message I keep repeating in the work that I do that um, any of us can look like the victim, the trafficker, or the buyer, right? Um, There's not a particular formula. Hollywood tells you there is, but Hollywood's wrong about it. They do show this image they portray this image on TV of, you know, people coming from other countries and, uh, you know, in the back of a transfer truck. And I'm not going to say that those things don't happen. Um, but I will say that, you know, it could be your school teacher. It could be, um, the mailman. It could be, uh, just regular, what we consider to be regular citizens in our community, Um, My traffickers were females. Um, They were females. They were women. And so Mm -hmm. they weren't looked at like, you know, they would be that kind of a people or person. Uh, They were young females. My Mm -hmm. oldest trafficker was 17. And so, um, you know, I was kept in a house 
with a 17 year old over me and her mom knew I was there, but you know, I don't think she quite understood why I was there, but you know, they kept me in a, they kept me in a locked space. And so I said all that to say that, you know, there is no image for this. There is no, you can't do like a, a MO for somebody will actually meet this criteria because my situation was to the point to where, you know, I was trafficked by a teenager, right? And so um, there is no look for this. I, I just mm -hmm. wanted to say that there is no look for this. You know, we look for people that have um, records of sexual assault and things like that. It's a very crafty individual, as you stated earlier. Um, they are people that are very intelligent and they know how to hide what they do. And there is no particular criteria, if you will, to make this person up and give them a look. I, I just have not, in my experience, seen that. Um, I didn't see it. And, and, and it looks so different in so many different ways. You know, and one of my fears, Margaret, particularly for rural North Carolina, is that we have all of this open land and we have all of these farms and all of these places that are away from uh, like the regular community. And so my concern is that, you know, these are spaces that people can genuinely hide someone and no one would look. So isolation happens in so many different ways. Right. And it could be geographical, could be social. You belong to a family that keep just keeps you away from other folks or um, there's just so much diversity in how trafficking happens. People want it to be simple enough so we can understand it easily. And it, it's not that, that simple. If you don't mind, would you share a little bit about what helped you the most in getting away from your trafficker and then getting back into your own life? My mother hired a special investigator back then, they were called PIs. And so the PI connected with the police department, a, a detective. And so they they came to the right house, Margaret, to get me. And um, they didn't search the house. So when we talk about, you know, uh, traffickers being very crafty, um, they answered the door. They um, told them I wasn't there. And so I stayed in that particular situation for an extra six months. And, you know, one of the biggest things for me after coming home from that situation and being there for almost 16 months, um, my mom would give me this scripture out of Psalms 91. And, and I quote that scripture, even to this very day, um, you know, being protected and hiding in God's dwelling place. And so that has helped me a lot. So I have to just say my mother. My mother um, was the catalyst to help me. She continued to look for me after time had passed because they said, you know, within the first nine months, if I wasn't found, the likelihood of me being alive wasn't there. But my mother never gave up. She continued to look for me. So my mother, <laughs> my mother. Well. I am grateful she's a stubborn woman. <laughs> yeah. Clearly highly motivated to, to find you. Yeah. What do you, as you are well aware, both in your professional role and your elected role, um, elected officials look at their communities at a systemic level 
and they're trying to figure out how to make things better in a lot of different directions at once. Do you have any advice you'd like to give them about or, or guidance? Any, do you, is there anything you'd like to guide your fellow elected officials with in terms of how they think about human trafficking or how they prepare to address it? Absolutely. Um, well, being that I'm just really sharing, uh, I know that first of all, they need to understand what it is. Um, be made aware of what human trafficking is and, and what human trafficking is not. And so I think because again, we have these images that we've picked up from Hollywood or wherever, I think understanding it locally first would be great. Um, they also need to be trained, right? And so we have with our city departments, you know, we have different services, like we have uh, our water services where the meter readers go out to meet read meters. And, you know, we have different departments that can identify if they know what to look for. So training to me, would be key um, training for the city employees and then training for police, training for fire, training for people that have access to homes, that have access to businesses, code enforcement, um, the housing inspectors, you know, so they'll know what to look for because oftentimes well, I can, well, I can speak for myself, you know, in my trafficking situation, I mean, I just wanted someone to see me, right? because I felt invisible. And so I just thank Pam and Strickland and I'm at the North Carolina Human Trafficking because she helped me identify that word. And so she asked me, what could I, if there was one word I could explain my experience in, and that word came up so, it just came up so fluent. I felt so invisible, but yet I was seeing people daily, right? Um, particularly where they were taking me to be trafficked, I would see people. And it was like, I. I wasn't visible. And so training, 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 uh, educating people to understand what to look for, you know, what, what does it look like? Cause it looks different in so many ways. You know, is it the young lady, you know, that, that comes out the house once a week like me, or, you know, is it someone that you see in a pub, a open public space that looks like they're crying for help, like just training. And I don't think we could ever get enough training, Margaret. I think that training should be ongoing um, because this thing, it evolves, right? It looks different. And so training, 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 training. That would be my, and not only just to the, the city workers, um, but I would even adventure out and say that the training needs to go to the schools. Um, for the students, right? For the students uh, to know what not to buy into and for the parents to know what to look for and for the educators, you know, to know what to look for as well. So just to me, educating and training is key. Yeah, if we're not um, describing this accurately, using the right terms, uh, separating the behaviors out from the way the person looks, then we're not going to be able to see it. And our local government staff go all over our communities every day in their work. So that's a, I agree with you. Absolutely. That's a huge opportunity that we're not taking full advantage of. And one of the things that I want to do, Margaret, because this question was really good for me. Um, 
is this is something I'm going to propose uh, on the council. I'm going to propose that we as the council be trained and then, you know, our department heads for the city be trained and then the city department heads can train. They can be trained the trainers, if you will, and they could train their, their staff. And so I'm going to definitely um, advocate for this to happen because, again, you know, I was in someone's house. They were getting their water their water meter read, they were getting their electricity read, their meters read, you know, there were people coming out, you know, in the community. And so only if they would have known what to look for, you know, maybe my stay would have been shorter. My experience would have been shorter. I could have came home faster. It's training, education. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. Welcome. On a kind of a if we can tap you for one more bit of advice, um, you know, a lot of folks have experienced some form of trauma, perhaps not as intense as what you experienced. Uh, and we might be keeping it hidden and we're trying to heal from it and get on with life. Um, what's your message to survivors out there, people who have experienced trauma and they're trying to come out on the other side of it? My message is you can you can uh, you can thrive, right? You can still live, you can still become, you can still, you know, you can still dream, like dreams happen. And so I would say connect with someone that understands, right? Whether that be a therapist, your friend, um, someone that knows what this is all about, what, what, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak strictly to human trafficking now. You need someone to understand. You need someone to understand that, you know, you may have a trigger. You need to someone to understand you and not judge you for what happened to you. And so my message to the people that have lived this, you know, therapist, your pastor, you know, um, someone you trust to be able to cry and be totally transparent with. You know, healing takes time and um, know your triggers, right? Know your triggers and know that you are visible. That would be my advice. You are seen, you know, you are important. You are strong. You can do and be anything you want to do and be. And so that would be my message. Including run for office and serving your community <laughs> in yet another way. <laughs> Well, you've given me what I need. Is there any other message you want to convey? Or There is life after trauma, Margaret. Mm -hmm. You can still live. And that's, that's my message. My message is you can still have a life. You can still live on purpose. You can live on purpose and you can, you can heal. You know, healing is not a door. We talked about that earlier. You don't just walk through it, right? So healing takes time. And I'm even now, 40 years later, I'm still healing, but I'm living and I'm living on purpose. And you're living a rich life. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Melissa, for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Margaret, thank you so much for bringing Melissa to our podcast audience today. Hearing a personal story is so powerful. You can just never tell who among us has been affected by trauma, can you? No, um, and most of us have experienced some form of trauma, but, but you really can't anticipate where a person is in their healing or how successful it's been or how many, many times they've 
backstepped in it. So let's all be a little more tender with each other. How about that? Um, I would really like to remind elected officials, you have so many opportunities to make positive change in your communities. And, and I know this is a heavy topic. I really want to thank you for listening to it in these two sessions. All the traffickers need for us to do is nothing. So you have not done nothing by listening to this podcast. You've begun to inform yourself and perhaps think more broadly about what you might do. If you're working anywhere in your community to address vulnerabilities that traffickers might exploit, any kind of vulnerability, then you are working to prevent human trafficking. And we need you to keep up that good work. We also need you to work in your communities to find out what's going on. How is it showing up and who's available to help respond to the, the cases that are, do come to light? Um, your local nonprofit agencies might be your best partners there. So y'all are all masters at working across organizational boundaries. This is the time to keep up that good work and, and just not stop. <laughs> we need you to keep working to address human trafficking in our communities. And I would say keep talking about it. Just the idea that you as elected officials might talk to others about the even the fears or suppositions about human trafficking normalizes the idea of people having the conversation. Thank you again so much, Margaret, for bringing this topic to us today. Thank you to our studio manager, Paul Bonner, for his, his gracious assistance to us. And to our audience, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, please share them with me. My name is Patrice Rossler. I am manager of elected official programs here at the School of Government, and you can reach me by email at p-r-o-e-s-l-e-r at s-o-g dot u-n-c dot e-d-u. Thank you.